Welcome sentient beings from all known universes and beyond. It's time to activate your cranial downlinks and prepare to receive a raft of discussion on a cosmic ocean of science fiction and fantasy topics, interviews with local area genre devotees, and insightful prognostication by our soothsayers of science fiction, our forecasters of fantasy, and any other beings that happen to get caught in our gravity well. This is the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Hello, sentient beings, and welcome to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. Seth, you look startled. <laughs> That's what I was going for. I, I was like, hello? It was that bit. You're not supposed to point out the bit. The audience is supposed to like it. Well, yes, but I thought, eh, you know, it's been long enough. I can say it. <laughs> and and not only not only do we welcome uh, sentient entities from around the galaxy, but we're also going to welcome non-sentient entities that may be watching our show and not understanding it because they're not really sentient. I mean, somebody could be watching us on, on their computer at home via YouTube with their dog, and their dog is enjoying the show but not really understanding what it's all about. So welcome to you, canines okay. and felines. And if anybody has a pig or a bird, you know, welcome to those, them too. Anyway, I'm Bill. Pig? I'm Linda. I'm Charles. I'm Seth. And I'm Stu. <laughs> and on this particular episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast, we are going to be talking about the last voyage of the Demeter. Wee-oo. So I've seen it. Linda's seen it. Stu, you've seen oh, it? Oh, yes. Has anyone else seen it? No, I missed. I missed. Ah, missed it. I'd have no. to go to movies to see a movie. That's true. And they pulled it from my theaters that I usually go to. Mm. So I, I, I missed my, I missed my window. That's well, another Charles, thing. Can Charles, I, can I ask why they only have like some decent movies for like two weeks at a main theater, and then it's like two. Especially five? it's a multi-screen, yeah. So yeah. I don't know. They're both multi-screens out west here. That's not right. I mean, there can't be that many movies coming out. I mean, I mean it's just it for Barbie. Out. I don't know. You yeah, think Barbie's at this point it'd be better. staggering movies a little bit with the writer strike going on, knowing that there's going to be a dearth of new content for some period of time. Exactly. Yeah, I saw a story that uh, that might be sinking into people like Bob Iger. Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, some of his statements are sounding a far lot a, a lot less braggadocio than they were at the beginning of the strike. Really, what's what's changed? Well, it's gone from oh yeah, the strike is saving. No, us. but I mean, I mean, what changed his view? Oh, I I imagine it's the reality that they're going to have they're going to have a great big dry spell coming up. Because the longer the strike goes on, the longer the the dry spell goes on. Right. Yeah. Uh, there was a news story today that Dune got uh, pushed back to 2024. Really? Yeah. Uh-oh. 
Um, you know, the uh, the second season of Foundation has debuted, um, mm. and uh, we're going to watch that, but uh, we have decided to take our time and instead go back and start and re-watch the first season um, and take our time with it because, obviously, it's going to be a period of time before season three would come out. So. Right. Um, at, at this point, we're under no hurry to watch new content as it comes out. It's re- better to uh, kind of delay it, I think. Yeah, there's. St- I, I don't know the degree to it, what how it will affect it, but the the new season of American Horror Story is still recording with scabs, and mm. and uh, I don't know how that will affect the actual season. Like, I'm yeah. guessing there will be a... Seth, is that scab actors or scab writers or both? I just know that it's some scab actors. I don't know if it's scab writers. It may have already been written, and they were just like, okay, it's written. Yeah, could we'll be. We'll find people to play it. It's crazy. Yeah, I can see that. And, I mean, American Horror Story is uh, more of an ensemble show anyway, so it's maybe not surprising that they thought they could do it. Yeah. But well, I mean, I think, was it Paris Hilton that I saw as one of the people in this season? Or no? Oh, dear God. No, it was, <laughs> it was someone famous who, uh, it was someone famous who, like, you're like, they're not an actor. They're just a famous person. Well, some people don't need writers. I guess. Yeah. Because they don't, they can't act in the first place. Yeah, I mean, we all know it. Writers would just be wasting talent at that point. <laughs> Although now, now conversely, Seth, we'll say that I, I would take a certain pleasure in seeing Paris Hilton disemboweled in a program. Like <laughs> you can see that on plenty of other movies. Well, not the bowels. Uh, other parts. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. All right, then. Um, so, <laughs> class voyage of the Demeter. Oh, on that but, oh, well, no, but, 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 but before we leave the topic, though, now, now, now Seth, what, what specifically have, have you heard from Mr. Iger that seemed to, to signal a, a softening in his... In his a, a change in tone from, uh, oh, hey, this, uh, this writer's strike is going to... Uh, this strike is saving us money to, to... I'm very disappointed that uh, our latest... Uh, our latest very generous offer has been rejected. It's going to lead to some really hard times for people coming up. Uh, and I think this was right after uh, or in the same news story that reported that Disney's stock had taken a serious hit that may or may not be connected to this and the reality that there's not going to be a lot of money coming in. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Like, so I, are, I are think they negotiating from, with all the studios at the same time? Say what? Are they negotiating with all the studios at the same time? Uh, they're negotiating with the AMMTP, I believe, okay. or the AAMTP or AMMTP. Uh, it's basically the Producers Guild. Okay. Uh, as I understand things, I might be wildly wrong. This is not my area of expertise. I'm just following things I see in the news a bit. Uh, but yeah, they're, they are negotiating with the produce, the producers guild, 
uh, which uh, I, I don't know how the whole business situation works and what guild works with what, but I mean, there are producers and yeah. there are the people who pay to make the movies happen. Uh, but uh, yeah, so that's who they're in. That, that's who I think the studios are. I it's too early in the morning for me to try and explain a system that yeah. I don't understand very well. It's so, fair, uh, fair. As, All right. Well, let's jump into the wildly wrong. I'll just stop. <laughs> let's jump into the meter, and for that, I'm going to jump over to Stu. And uh, Stu, do you want to give us a, a recap here, and, and we'll start uh, before that, just to let everybody know that there may be spoilers here. So, if you don't want to be spoiled, uh, fair warning. Sounds and good. On that note, Stu, sounds you're, good. Yeah. You're up. Well, I certainly enjoyed the film. Um, in terms of the genesis of the film, if you've if you've read Dracula, and if you haven't, I I encourage you to do so. It's a it's a fun read. It's a, it's a good book. Uh, Dracula, the novel, is put together in, a, in what is known as an epistolary form, meaning every chapter is a text written by someone, by either by a character or by some other person who can account for the action. Um, the first three chapters famously are the diary of the young solicitor who goes to visit Dracula to sell him an estate back in London. Uh, the fifth chapter is the captain's log of the ship Demeter that transported Dracula and his cargo from Transylvania or from, from Bulgaria to be specific uh, to uh, to England, uh, which, which which by the way I've heard um, someone someone did a just did a commentary on how much more efficiently that transport would have would have been done by rail. In eight, by in eighteen ninety, you know, you, if you mm -hmm. want to go, you want to go across across Europe, you'd be a lot easier taking a railroad. But Stoker, well, it'd be it'd be hard for the rail on the railroad for Dracula to get around and and kill people. Well, I, 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 you think about it, every, every every whistle stop you could get off. That, but again, that's yeah, this, is Stoker, mm -hmm. this is Stoker taking dramatic license. Obviously, yeah. Stoker knew that he knew I I can have this scene. You know, because this, this is this is only a few. This, this book is written only a few years after the Marie Celeste, where this idea of a ship under siege from some unknown entity is in people's is in people's minds. So he writes this really eerie chapter of you know of of, of, the, of the captain saying you know this you know this this mate is has disappeared. We don't know what happened to him, and and someone now someone else is gone and. And now the, this man has been seen has been seen by by my second mate, and, and then the next day I have seen him. He's on this ship. You know, builds this very eerie atmosphere. There is some unknown presence that he cannot encapsulate. You know, he knows it's, it's something that looks like a human. Is on this ship that is taking care of his that's taking out his crew one by one, hmm. and it's this absolute creeping dread. It's, it's it's one one more um, one of the more effective chapters chapters of the book. And by the time in, in the book anyway, by the time the Demeter comes to rest in England, you know, wrecks on the on the coast, just like in the film. Um, no one there's only one person left on the ship, and that's the captain. And he's tied himself to the to the steering wheel with a crucifix on his um, on his hands. Hmm. 
and all, all they have is the log to go from and try and piece together what happened. And ominously <laughs> enough, when the ship wrecks, this large dog comes bounding off huh. out into the night. Mm -hmm. And the captain's dead, tied the to the wheel? The captain's dead, tied to the wheel. Yeah. So the cross didn't help him then. Uh, didn't help you either that or he'd already been I don't I don't know if it is implied that Dracula actually got to him or the conditions of the voyage finally uh, finally killed him. You know, the, the weather um and everything else that they already been through. Because we saw it we saw in the movie a, a couple of different points where um a character had a, a rosary. Mm -hmm. um, and that rosary kind of made it through the hands of different people. Mm -hmm. um, but it didn't seem to stop Dracula in any way. Right. The person that had the rosary had no special immunity to Dracula because of that. Yeah. So, which I thought was interesting based on what we've seen in other movies and stuff where, you know, the, a symbol of the cross or a rosary or something like that would be so repellent and repugnant to Dracula that he'd, you know, fly off in anger. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I think that that really underlies a cultural shift. Uh, there, there, there was a time yet in 1897 when this came out, that was something you could sell to a Victorian British population that was used to having a city full of churches that almost everyone attended uh, at least radically. And by the year 2023, that's you know not, now we're used to seeing vampires saying if you don't have true faith they can just melt across right in front of you and we, right that that doesn't have the cultural currency anymore so the yeah the filmmakers they they play with that with that quite a bit with, with that quite a bit one thing that doesn't make it and this has nothing to do with, with this film I'm I'm kind of digressing now but one thing that's very prominent in the novel that almost never makes it to film maybe a little bit in the in the Coppola version is that in the novel. Van Helsing's main uh, holy weapon of choice isn't the cross. It's the it's a um, it's what is a blessed waiver. It's the host. Oh really? Oh yeah, yeah. And he he does all kinds of stuff. He like he actually makes those into like a cock where he will like seal the tomb so the vampire can't get out because he can't get around the host. And oh. that's something that um, either doesn't film real well or the producers by the 1930s figured you know that just isn't going to sell to Protestant America. Sure. So yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah you, you, you've got a good point there, there, Bill. There that um, the familiar vampire aprotopaics, the things that will allegedly kill a vampire, they don't they don't seem to have much much effect on this guy, and and, and you don't have a Van Helsing figure in this, um, no. in this movie. You know, nobody right. really knows what they're doing. <clears throat> but the sun is still mm -hmm. um, purging of vampires. So, yep. And, you know, one of the things I liked about it um, specifically was that, you know, they have a, um, a child actor on the ship, um, uh, you know, a cute, cute kid. Um, how, what would you say? Probably 10, age 10, something yeah, like that. Nine or 10, yeah. Yeah. And they have him and, and um, a couple of other characters, um, uh, that woman that, that they brought back um, or thought they had brought back. And as I'm watching the film, I'm thinking, okay, I can see where this is going. You know, somehow the kid's going to survive. Maybe the woman's going to survive. And maybe that doctor's going to survive at the end. 
Um, but um, I couldn't have been more wrong and, and pleased about it in that it was you know, not not pleased that the, that the not pleased that the, the child died or that the woman died, of course, but pleased that they didn't have plot armor because they were, you know, cute and and everybody would be rooting for them, right? right. Um, they got the they got the same uh, same treatment from the vampire that everybody else got. So hey, Bill was just rooting for Dracula. <laughs> well. That's probably true, Seth. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if Dracula doesn't win, you, you you don't have a sequel. So there's there that's, you go. That's right. Yeah, and, you know, and I thought they set it up really nice for the sequel too. Um, well, it, potentially, although the, the way that the, the performance of the film, I don't think, is really going to precipitate one. But yeah, you, you are right though, because it really does subvert expectations very well. I mean, when yeah. the when, when, when the Romani woman comes tumbling out of, of one of the of one of the chests, and by the way, again, if you've if you've read the book or seen some of the movies, the cargo of the Demeter, in the in the in the novel anyway, was fifty chests of earth, and those are substitute graves for Dracula in London. And in, in, in the novel, he ends up hiding them in these little locations all over the city, and that's oh. that's and, and that, that that's part of the hunt for Dracula in the novel is trying to find every single one of these boxes because then he won't have any more to rest. Yeah. Um, but but, it, but the first box they try to open, out tumbles this Romany woman. And Dracula's been using her to feed. All, all, all no one made a game out of that yet. That sounds like a hell of a good game. Yeah. Find we, Dracula. We get yeah. to be in London. Yeah. We have, we have Seth. Well, but we, we should play it sometime. You should. I've got it in my back seat as we speak. Do you? You can Is play horrified. Yes. Oh, you actually have to go around finding his uh, his coffins. His coffins. That sounds like fun. Yeah, it is. Taking night. Dracula hunting you the whole time. Yes. Yeah, I like it. It's it. No, it's it, it, It's a heck of a game. Yeah, they, in, in, in horrified. Yeah, that's one one thing I love about the the game horrified. By the way, is that they shoot, they draw from a lot of different sources. The in Dracula, they really don't follow the movie; they follow the novel. Uh, for the Wolfman, they follow like the last serious Universal movie, oh. which is not what you'd expect. Um, yeah, but, yeah, okay, I, and, and that's 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 too much. That's too much of a digression. But yes, for 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 Dracula, you've to beat Dracula, you've got to smash his coffins, and and then you've got to hunt him down with holy items. But for to to beat the Wolfman, you've got to cure him, and to beat Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein, you have to do couples therapy. Ah. Well, Okay, well, let me ask this, Stu, yeah. as a expert in vampirism. Mm -hmm. uh, Dracula's got these chests of earth from his homeland, mm -hmm. right? Now, if he transforms somebody to a vampire in London, mm -hmm. do they need to take, if they were to go somewhere, earth from the London area with them, or do they need that Transylvanian earth? I, no, I, I I would say yeah. You, I think you have to take the earth from from where you were buried. Yeah, you have to take essentially from your grave. So oh, it's like, I see. I don't think it's just Transylvania earth. I think it's the earth specifically from the uh, the, the, the crypt at the castle where you're buried. So, yeah. and then how much earth do you need in your coffin to sleep in? It's a movie. I don't know. Asking <laughs> for a friend. What's that, Seth? 
asking for a friend. Well, well, here's my question. I mean, so, so you, so these people, let's say they go around London destroying these um, uh, chests of of Romanian earth or Transylvanian earth, right? Mm -hmm. But they're not really destroying the earth. The earth will still be there. So the vampire could see it theoretically go back to the scene of the destruction mm -hmm. with a broom and a dustpan, uh, collect uh, a quantity of it, and take it with him to his next uh, secret place. Oh, that's, that's they're using the um the consecrated host for the um the 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 the, the blood, blessed blood of uh, bread of the sacrament they sprinkle that in with the dirt to make it so that oh so yeah, that yeah. the dirt is consecrated or whatever yeah I was thinking they just called the maids <laughs> yeah. yeah or you can you know, ship ship it to Nebraska we can use it for filler soil and that'll work huh someplace. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that which does does make for an inter, for an interesting um, and and Bill, I, I like your your thought process there because I think that's what this film is is symbolic of. This film and the early and Renfield, which was released earlier this year, yeah. Is, you can take just little slices of these classic works and say, "There's a whole darn movie in here." Mm -hmm. You can do a whole movie just on this. You know, you know, years ago there was a movie called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, and it's just taking these two. Extremely minor characters from Hamlet, and building a film around these two guys that have like they have like five minutes of screen time of of, yeah. of, stage, of stage time in, the, in in the play, and you can absolutely do that. And it's and it's, it's wonderful how, how you can't how you can do that, especially which which is you know a, a subject near and dear to my heart is this idea of public domain works. When you get these classic works, you can take you can take them, you can make them your own. Um, the yeah. great poet C.S. Lewis. Had a great phrase: um, "Mature poets, no, no, immature poets imitate. Mature poets steal." Mm -hmm. And that's and which sounds just funny, but what? But mm -hmm. what so are mean, mature poets sort of the equivalent today of uh, AI? No, that, that that's yeah. I, well, <laughs> not not really because because it's still recognizable. Uh, but by mature poet, what, what Lewis meant was they take something you know that, that's existing. And they change it and they transform it so much that by the time it's done, it's not imitating. You're not imitating anymore. You've made yeah. it your own, but you've you've taken this this spark. You've, it's like you've lit your candle on an older flame, and but now but now it's your candle now, and now it's your flame. Hmm. That's 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 intertextuality, and you, you you can make some really good works on that. Um, I, I'm glad that, the, that this film got made. It had a nice budget. It was the the, the production is wonderful. You know the ship. It looks like you're on a ship. It's very yeah. realistic. It's, I think it's very, um, very period true. Some people were calling out the, you know, the main character is, you know, because they, they they've obviously hung all these new characters on the, um, on, on the plot because the, sure. you know, because the, the characterization of the novel is, is is very sparse. The the what ends up being the main character is oh sort of I, I want to call him kind of the Rick Grimes of this um, of this movie. Right. It's a, a doctor educated at is, is Oxford or Cambridge? I can't remember one of the two. Yeah, Cambridge. Well, Cambridge. Yeah, Cambridge educated doctor who somehow has found himself stuck in Bulgaria, which is the closest port to Transylvania. That's why he, the ship out of, of Bulgaria. And he's just working this ship so he can get back to London and, and resume his career because going to Bulgaria didn't work out real well for him. Mm -hmm. And and, and people have been calling that, saying that well, the, this this doctor is, play, is played by a black man. His race is only alluded to a couple of times in the film, which is which which is good. It was not intrusive. Um, 
and there are some wags who've called this out saying like, oh yeah, Black Doctor in the 1890s, in 1890s Britain, that'll be the day. No, that Cambridge was graduating a number of Black physicians. Yeah. And well, and I think it was called out in the film. He the reason that he was not in London was the fact that it was uh, easy enough to get a degree, but to find employment was, was the problem. As soon as they found out that he wasn't white, mm-hmm. uh, they suddenly didn't need the doctor's services anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he ended up having to leave to go in search of of uh, employment in the field that he wanted to work in. So. Um, yeah, so I thought that was explained pretty well, and it's good to know that 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 was actually based in in reality, based on what you said there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. To, get, to get back to our our Nebraska ties here, one of the I think the it was um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll jestingly say yes. Seth probably knows more about this than I do, but the the first um, black guy to play football for the University of Nebraska was a guy named George Flippin. And How would I know more about this. Because I'm joking. Okay. <laughs> yes, I, I, I tended to to engage Seth about a football player named George Blanda on one of our trips one time, and Seth was looking at me like, "Stu, you are smoking some serious." Anyway, but yeah, one of the first yeah one of the first people to play black guys to play f- football for the University of Nebraska ended up becoming a doc, um, ended up becoming a physician, hmm. ended up be, uh, serving as the town doctor in this little town of. Sp- the Swedish town of Stromsburg, Nebraska, and had practiced there for years. And so that's, it's not things that we look at and say, well, yeah, they would like, they would have done that. Yes, they did. There are these stories that are, that are subversive, that are part of our history that, and it, it is, it's good that it got some, it, it's got, 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 got a little press. It got, um, it, it got, it got a little bit of public notice here. I, I was glad to see that. Yeah. So, Stu, if they would have managed to scuttle the Demeter, mm-hmm. would that have, in your mind, been the end of Dracula? That's a good question. That's a good question. Because all his soil would have been sunk, mm-hmm. and he's a long way from Transylvania, certainly mm-hmm. more than a day's flight, assuming he could take bat form, right, and and fly himself back. But if it's more than – because they were several days out to sea. Right. You'd have to assume it would be a several day journey and he couldn't fly during the day because the sun would be up. So where's he going to sleep at night if he doesn't have a casket with his soil in it? Right. So. Well, yeah, I, I think that would that would either effectively do it or you'd have, it. you know, Seth, you have some of the same, sir. Yeah, I, I would like it depends on if not if not having soil from his native home it is like that would kill him or just prevent him from resting and healing and having full access to his powers. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, vampires don't need to breathe, so he could just stay underwater the whole time if he wanted. Yeah, that's true. Swim yeah. Back. Well, either that, Bill, or he just seal himself into the coffin. If you look at, you know, now, now I'm grafting mythologies here, but if you read the uh, the second Anne Rice novel, uh, The Vampire Lestat, um, that is something that that actually happens to vampires quite often. I guess they, at some point in their long existence, they hit this ennui where they just kind of they basically commit sort of a halfway vampire suicide, and they'll just go into their coffin and they'll stay there for decades, mm. and they'll just and find and until something 
finally, you know, will, will rouse them where they just get so sick of it. They're saying, I'm just going underground. I'm just going to stay there. And if you if you graph that on direct, you're like, I can see something like that where he just existed at in this chest at the bottom of the sea for ever until Robert Ballard or uh, this this fellow who who died going after the Titanic recently, you know, came after him and said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, that would be that would be an interesting movie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, yeah, to yeah, to, to, to raise the Demeter. You're down there and right. try and snag Dracula <clears throat> out of the ocean. Hmm. Uh so I I was kind of thinking of a little different movie, uh kind of along those lines, but it's a horror where we or it's a comedy horror movie where we where it's more comedy than anything, and we start off with Dracula killing the last person on the Demeter. Only to realize he's still out in the middle of the fucking ocean, mm-hmm. and he doesn't know how to sail the goddamn ship. <laughs> well, he was in this in this episode. They actually talked about that and the fact that he was rationing the supply of people um, in order to make it all the way to London. So he wasn't just haphazardly just killing people when he felt like it. He was doing it methodically. You know, there'd be a period of days that would go by before the next one would go. And they finally figured out, you know, once they figured out it, it was this malevolent creature that was feeding off of them that, um, you know what, he's rationing us because at the rate at which he's depleting people will run through the last person right as we pull into port in London. Which is the way that it ends up going in, in the novel. I mean, where it's, yeah. it's, it's a slow, creeping doom. I mean, right. it's, it's, it's kind of like it's kind of like a reverse can, uh, cannibalism. You know, where it, it's like you know the Donner Party, where they they keep running lower and lower and lower on supplies until you know until they have to make this ultimate have this ultimate decision to be made. In in Last Words of the Demeter, it's they are the supplies. Yeah, and and, and I think that adds a, that adds a certain element of. Uh, terror to it as well because now you know not only is there this malevolent uh, creature on board but it's not just a mindless killing beast it's Mm -hmm. actually a sentient thing that's that's planning out the fact that it's going to go through the entire crew by the time you get to london and you know that based on its plan you are not going to survive if you don't if you don't do take some action and do something. So I thought that was, that was really good too. The way they, the way they did that. Yeah. One thing that disappointed, I guess disappointed me a little bit, perhaps it shouldn't because I'm a huge fan of Nosferatu. Yeah. But they gave the Dracula, this demonic form. Yeah. In the movie. You know, when I really expected him to you know, look more human, to look more like Christopher Lee or something like that. That's, yeah, I did too. But you know, they, they, they had their creative decision to make. And I, I can see that where they, they basically didn't want anybody to have to play Dracula. They said, we'll just make him a, which, which, which makes sense. I mean, sometimes you want to keep your monster in this. You want to make him like like Michael Myers. Yeah. Or you don't get into the character. He's he's only, not relatable. Yeah. He's just scary. Yeah. That's all he is is scary. And 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 speaking of scary, um, I hope I'm not telling tales out of out of school, but uh, I understand that that Linda and some other companions that that you folks saw the film with were um, were rather physically impressed by this by this movie. Yeah, Linda and, and Katie both said it was very stressful. Linda, go ahead. Uh, yeah, it was probably one of, I, and it's weird because you would think with the the way they made him look, 
I could easily in my mind say this is all fake, but the way it's just the way the movie went, I was on the edge of my seat. It was like disturbing. The whole dang movie was disturbing. Disturbing enough that I'm I question, you know, I know this is not a, a real story, but they just portrayed it so that you are like feel like you're right there. Yeah, it, it kept was, the anxiety level up during the whole show because you never knew when he was going to pop out. Right. Well, and it's not just that. And again, it's not just the way. I think it's the small environment of that ship. They yeah. portrayed that ship really well. And you felt like you had nowhere to go. And it was only yeah. a matter of time before. <laughs> well, and a lot of the areas of the ship uh, were very claustrophobic. Uh, the The hallways were very tight and claustrophobic. And the cabins weren't that big. And even the hold, although the, the hold was very good size itself, there were so many crates of dirt in there and other things that they were hauling that they really had to work to navigate their way around uh, through all of that massive bunch of stuff. And that in and of itself was horrifying because you don't know as you're navigating through these canyons of boxes and supplies is, are you going to round the corner and there's going to be uh, Dracula waiting for you? Or if you do stumble upon him and maybe he's you wake him up, are you going to be able to navigate your way out quick enough before he can get you? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was, it was quite, uh, uh, quite the anxiety ridden, uh, disturbing adventure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I call it disturbing entertainment. Yeah. But both, uh, both Katie and Linda r really liked it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but Katie said it's the, 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 the only movie she's ever seen that the whole time she was filled with anxiety or, or trepidation over the whole thing she goes it was almost exhausting yeah it was <laughs> was there a renfield character in this movie or no 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 none of the other like, i think doesn't he make renfield when he gets to london yeah 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 it, we'll, we'll see it in the that that's a good question because it, in, in the film yeah renfield's on is on the boat the entire time in the 1931 movie Mm -hmm. Feels in the both the whole time. This is more like more like the novel, though, where there's no there are no other characters on the uh, on the on the boat on the boat. This is this film is to the Dracula canon, really as what's what was the name of it? Um, oh, I can't believe I can't believe remember the name. What uh, the Star Wars three point nine, the movie that that's just the immediate prequel to New Hope came out oh. three. Uh, Rogue, Rogue One. Rogue One. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. The, the, this is basically the Rogue One of the, of the Dracula canon because you don't have any of the familiar characters yeah. at all. Yeah. But at the same time, it fits perfectly in in the in the canon of the of, of the book. Yeah, because you can see this guy if they made a sequel to this, which I don't, which they probably will not, um, because it, it just hasn't it doesn't done that good a business. Because I mean, you know, Lin, Linda and Bill, I understand you and. And your friends were the only people in the theater when you saw Redfield. Yeah, but uh, you, you know, in all fairness, it had been out for several weeks before we went to see it, and we were seeing it like on a Sunday afternoon at six or five, uh, seven thirty. So it could have been the fact that it was Sunday night. It's uh, the Sunday night when the week before the week that kids are starting back to school. Yeah, and so I kind of figured, you know, I expected to be there to be a few people in there but then when we got in there and it was just us then i started thinking oh yeah i guess it is 
kids are starting back to school tomorrow and it is Sunday night at like 7.30, so everybody's Not really probably... a kid's movie anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, true. So I figured parents are busy. I'm and... out of the theater either. What's that, <laughs> Seth? Hey, wait, we didn't really see anyone come out of the theater. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, for any I... of the movies. Yeah, we, but, but when we went, it was the same thing. It was my, my friend and I, and we were the only ones in the theater. Huh. Which was... Huh. At, it, it, well, and theaters have shifted this odd model because when, when we got our seats, you know, because now they have this assigned seating in theaters, which is weird. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it looked like, well, there a few tickets have been sold to this thing. There's some there's some seats taken, so we picked out our seats. But then the actual movie started, and there's nobody there. I think it's because the theaters go to these subscription models now where you pay X amount of money at the beginning of the year, and you can see as many as you want. So you had a few people who had already they, – they got their tickets for the show, but they, did, they, didn't, they didn't attend. Gotcha. Huh. But yeah, we know that, and that we were there on a Saturday night at 7 o'clock. Um, at, 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 at the Exarban Cinema, which I guess is usually pretty well attended. Yeah, and, that's where we went and saw it too. So, yeah, and there was not a, there was not a soul there except for my friend and I. Hmm. Ah, I'll be darned. Yeah, well, I uh, I really liked it, so I would. Uh, it, 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 it was a two, seeing it. It was a two thumbs up movie, and, and you're right; they left that sequel hook in there, which was which was fantastic. But I, it's a good. Will they actually do anything with it? I don't. I don't know. It's a good question. I, I could see maybe a Netflix or maybe an Amazon picking that up into some sort of limited series. Yeah. But, it, but you know what? What's interesting? I'm thinking just globally, and I know I've said this before, that you know you have you're, you're taking just this long, little sliver out of Dracula, making a whole, a whole movie out of it. That's I think it's, that's really reminiscent of what they're doing with like like the MCU. Yeah. And sure. the Star, Star Trek um, series too, where you take just this. Very small aspect of this larger work. Yeah, we're gonna make, make a whole show of it. Loki gets his own show. Mm. Gets gets her own show. Um, and I, I it's it's a, on the one hand it's derivative. On the other hand, it's also encouraging because there is so much creativity going on there. Yeah, agreed. All right. Well, uh, I think that'll uh, wrap it up. Unless anybody has any final comments. Mm. No. All right. Well, so uh, the three of us that have seen it, um, we give it uh, two thumbs up. Oh, get much. out there and watch it. Um, I'm going to uh, try to pick it up for my collection because uh, it'd be a good uh, Halloween uh, month movie watch on the veranda, I think. So, all right. Well, thank you all for tuning in and watching. Uh, we will see you next time. Until then, uh, have a good week and uh, stay, stay off of uh, any ships filled with uh, um, – <laughs> Uh, cases of dirt from dirt. Transylvania. <laughs> <laughs> or if you find a bunch of cases of dirt on your ship and it's still daylight, maybe just toss them over the side. Save yourself <laughs> some trouble. There you go. I like it. All right, folks. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Galactic Driftwood Podcast. For more information and past episodes, please visit our website at galacticdriftwood.space or subscribe to us on YouTube. And now, please deactivate your cranial downlinks, collect your towels, and be sure to watch your step as you exit our gravity well.